Being split-brain creatures, is it any surprise that our minds are almost always in two places at once, even if we're not entirely conscious of the setup? This can be verified by a simple piece of experiential inquiry. Take a reading right now of your inner and outer world, wherever you are in time and space, whatever tasks you're about to carry out or have just finished doing. Get a sense of how you're feeling, emotionally, physically, how in tune you are at this moment with your needs and desires. If there's a stressful factor present in your consciousness, like a lot of fireworks going off in the background, uh, <laughs> add that into the mix. And let's call this baseline reading reality, or at least your reality in this moment. My reality in this moment is a lot of fireworks happening just outside my window. Now, imagine a screen representing the mind and place your reality snapshot either on the left-hand side or the right-hand side of your screen. Often when we are taking this global reading, we are utilizing the right hemisphere, so we might feel more comfortable putting our reality image on the left-hand side of this imaginary screen. This is because the right hemisphere of the brain controls the left side of the body and so receives information from the left visual field. Having done that, now use your imagination to place another image or even a set of moving images on the other side of the screen. So on the left, you have reality, and on the right-hand side of your screen, you now have some sort of enhanced reality or idealized reality. In my case, reality on the left-hand side of the screen is me sitting here on a Tuesday evening writing this small article on my desktop computer with Diwali fireworks going off every two seconds and my doggo Max perched somewhat nervously under the desk as if the two of us were in a war zone. The reality-enhanced ideal, which is being imagined on the right-hand side of the screen, features a loving partner this is a fantasy image, I don't have a significant other in my life right now, who is reading quietly beside me or in the other room. There are no fireworks and the two of us are just about to check in and decide what we're having for dinner and or whether we might watch a film later or have an early night. Until I consciously set the real, this real situation, next to the ideal, as I have just done, I can't say that I was really that aware that this ideal was so close to mind as it turned out to be. I mean, it, it literally took me half a second for my writing mind to come up with this preferred fantasy in opposition to my perfectly adequate but unpreferred lived reality, or in this case, living reality, as it continues. It continues even now. Of course, as soon as we do this, as soon as we become conscious of this experiential gap between the two versions of our being, the firework-filled reality in my case and the non-firework-filled 
ideal with some beloved who is reading Middlemarch on the rug beside me. As soon as this happens, an additional layer of emotion or thought is soon present and ready to rumba. In my case, sadness, longing, feelings of emptiness, these are not unfamiliar emotions to me, especially in the evenings, but often they arrive unbidden and as part of the seemingly baseless emotional weather patterns that I and probably you too experience throughout the day, when in fact these weather patterns, these feelings and thoughts might be better understood as a sort of inner jarring response to the cognitive dissonance experienced in our nervous systems when the real and the ideal fail to coalesce. For most of us, these two realms fail to coalesce about 99% of the time. But don't take my word for it. Run the split-screen experiment in different setups for yourself in the next few days, maybe when feeling stressed or relaxed or in different modes and social configurations, and see if the left-hand side of the screen, the real, ever gets anywhere near the right-hand side image or perception of the ideal. Try it out the next time you argue with your significant other. Maybe have a five-minute break from the argument and share your split-screen images, noticing, no doubt, some interesting differences, such as, one, the difference between your so-called objective perceptions of the real, as in, what are we actually fighting about here? And two, giving yourselves the possibility of having a good old laugh or maybe a good old cry at how far both of you have failed each other in meeting the emotional, cognitive and behavioural criteria of your respective ideal perceptions. Another interesting relational aspect to think about in this inquiry is what flavour or theme often plays a part in our idealizations. If you are a heart type, which is to say that your personality style is centered on feeling emotions and interacting with others through empathy and relationships, then your focus is most likely to reflect this bias in one or both of your split screens. My ideal, my idealization as a four, often has a relational component to it, or rather focuses on what is lacking at a relational level either within myself or my circumstances. See above. This can also be projected outwards at another as a form of criticism. Why are you treating me in this way? Also, why am I suffering life at an emotional level in this way at this moment? This is often the case for twos, threes, fours, and the many, if not constant, idealizations that pour out of our heart operating systems. If you are a head type, however, fives, sixes and sevens, some form of thinking and analysing will no doubt be at the forefront of your idealizations, as well as your particular take on reality as you are currently perceiving it. Also perhaps your critique, unconscious or acknowledged, of the person or situation you might be in conflict with, 
as you attempt to figure things out, strategize, anticipate, often with some anxiety or fear. Body types, eights, nines, ones, will lend their own embodied operating system to whatever ideal is floating unconsciously through their brains, or if you're a body type, our brains, and nervous systems, until we attempt to haul that into consciousness, maybe in therapy, or as we have done above. Remember, the body is the center, the operating system, if you like, of sensing things physically through gut knowing and instinctive responses. It also houses our movement center which directs action or inaction. Our idealizations as body types but also our critique of others will probably find some bearing in our primary operating system focusing on boundaries, tension or numbness, defending or maybe even dissociating in some way, often with some form of irritation present. I guess, as with all of this stuff, perhaps just knowing that we are very rarely seeing the world on one screen can give us a bit more wherewithal and clarity when we are suffering. Because even when we think we're seeing the world through our most objective reality lens, some sort of personality-focused overlay is probably at work. Perhaps this ability to see and acknowledge the gap between that ideal right-hand side of the screen compared to what's really happening might allow us then, ideally, <laughs> to not <laughs> torment ourselves or others with fantasies and commentaries stemming from alternate realities and idealizations, which are also no doubt filled with idealized selves and absolutely no fireworks whatsoever. <laughs>